This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, hi, everybody. We're still not quite to the World Series yet, but since I'm going to be out in Arizona at the Fall League talking to race prospects, by the time the World Series is determined, we figured we'd do an extra podcast beforehand. And joining me now, good friend Dave Wills. And Dave, uh, if I would have told you before the season that Cleveland not only would get to the World Series and do it really with two starters in the rotation to get through the postseason, what would you, what would you have told me? I would not have believed it. I think that uh, there were a lot of people who were on the Cleveland bandwagon over the last couple of years, uh, mainly because of their starting pitching. But, uh, you know, they did a wonderful job of adjusting, and that's what you need to do during a season. So uh, they made a couple of big adjustments. They made a big acquisition. I mean, uh, Andrew Miller has been absolutely outstanding, and not to to take anything away from the rest of their bullpen, which has been uh, probably as close to equally good. But, uh, you know, Terry Francona deserves a lot of credit, but right now there's a lot of belief within that clubhouse that the Cleveland Indians can win uh, ball games. And uh, Jason Kipnis, and, you know, again, they didn't tear the cover off the ball. I think I just saw something uh, online that said it was the lowest-scoring American League Championship Series of all time. But they got the big hit when they needed it. They made the big play defensively. And then uh, run prevention was a big key to the Cleveland Indians moving on to the fall classic. Well, that's what we talk about. I mean, even from a race perspective, look, people say, can they get back? I say, yes. I mean, here's a here's an example. If Cleveland spent $85, $86 million, they didn't have a huge payroll. Um, they they hit, what, 160-something in the, in the championship series, and they got to the World Series because they pitched it and they caught it. And that's what we talked about with the Rays. Uh, that's the only way we're going to get better. And uh, people keep asking me, I know I kind of changed my tune during the season. I really would have liked to have had – a uh, frontline catcher uh, for next season, but they are so few and far between. They cost so much, whether it would be in prospects or in actual dollars, that uh, I just don't see it happening. So I think the next best thing, and maybe the quickest thing to get us better, would be to work on the bullpen. And, uh, you know, you saw how important that was, how important it is right now in all the postseason baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the teams that were able to get to the postseason have uh, pretty decent bullpens, and the Final Four had uh, decent ones as well. But you know, the Cleveland Indians have been able to shorten games. Uh, you know, it's nine innings in the big leagues, but against Cleveland it seems like it's a six-inning game and maybe even in some cases a five-plus inning game. And so that's what you need. And, and you can get away with that here in October. I love all the people yeah. talking about this is how you have to use a bullpen to win games. You can do that in five-game, seven-game series where you're only playing for five or six weeks maybe at the, at the most. And, and, Dave, you're right about that. I mean, you can't manage in – October the same way as June. I mean, the other thing is you get two games day off, two games day off in the playoffs. But, look, Cleveland had the starting rotation not in the playoffs but in the regular season. I mean, you're talking about Salazar and Carrasco and Kluber and Tomlin and Cody Anderson. I mean, they had the rotation that got them through the regular season, and then they had the bullpen to get them through the postseason. It's a nice little combination. And, uh, you know, again, I think there's a lot of people, and especially those in Cleveland, would really like to see how good this Cleveland Indian team 
could be if their rotation was still intact. I mean, uh, you know, again, Carrasco and Salazar are lights-out pitchers that uh, the Rays have seen uh, too much of here over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. But, you know, again, a beautiful job by Terry Francona and his staff. And then, you know, you just kind of look at the, you know, you look at the, the different the team itself. I mean, really, yeah, Francisco Lindor has a chance to be an absolute superstar. I think most of us uh, realize he's going to be a very, very good player down the line. But, uh, you know, Jason Kipnis is a nice player. Mike Napoli probably in the twilight of his career doing some of the things he does. Uh, you know, again, they've got some other guys that are nice players too, but um, at the end of the day, it's just they've done whatever they needed to do to win some ball games. And uh, I was very, very impressed with what the Cleveland Indians have done to get to the World Series, no doubt. I don't know how much you listened to Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus during the playoffs, but I, I thought, especially in the championship series, they also nailed what we knew about the Toronto Blue Jays. This is a team that, uh, if if they don't swing, they don't think it's a strike. And, and I think they're, I don't know if I would say they're egos, but, uh, you know, their, their focus, I thought they lost their focus. Toronto did in this series a little bit. Well, I, I think that in watching them, and again, I had to disagree with Tom one time. I think he had mentioned that uh, in watching Jose Bautista uh, during one of his at-bats, he said Jose Bautista used to lead the league in home runs. Now he leads the league in whining. I had to disagree with Tom because Jose probably missed too much time this year to lead the league in whining. But he's definitely in the top <laughs> five. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Maybe still number two. But uh, with that being said, I think that, uh, and, and again, watching some of the games, the biggest thing with the Toronto Blue Jays, at the end of the day, it looked like they were in launch mode an awful lot. And especially against, uh, you know, again, against a guy like Corey Kluber, you tip your cap because he's a fantastic pitcher. You're going to have, anybody's going to have trouble with him. But I think, you know, again, looking at Merritt, looking at some of the other guys that, that they had over the last few days that are 90-91 uh, and pitching away, pitching away, the Blue Jays were looking to launch and there were a lot of pop-outs. There were a lot of uh, big swings and misses. Uh, yeah, there were some borderline pitches that probably went against them you got to give some credit to, you know, to their catcher that uh, framed him. Uh, Gomez that did a nice job back there. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I, I think you're right. I think they, they kind of felt it was us against the world, us against the Indians and the umpires. And uh, they did lose some focus. And instead of just going up there looking to take whatever the Indians pitchers were going to give them, they were trying to do too much. And it played right into the hands of the Indians scouting report. And I wouldn't say that, you know, all is lost with the Toronto Blue Jays, but I think there is some question right now whether their window is closing because I think it's going to be hard, and maybe you feel the same, Dave, to sign Jose Bautista back, to sign Edwin Encarnacion back, to sign Michael Saunders back. I mean, and and Brett Cecil was an important piece of their bullpen, even though he had a bit of a down year. If If they sign more than one of those guys, I'm going to be surprised. You and me both, and, uh, you know, Mark Shapiro came over, it's kind of uh, interesting, he came over from the Indians to take over the operations of the Blue Jays, and look what happened, but uh, I I think that's a big part of this whole sequence here, too, is that he does not have the emotional attachment to some of those guys that, say, an Alex Anthopoulos did when he was still running the ball club up until uh, a year ago, so I I think that uh, Mark's going to take a long look at trying to revamp this team. Uh, Yeah, the long ball plays pretty well during the uh, regular season. But does it come into play all as much uh, during the uh, during the month of October as we're finding out? So uh, I'd be surprised if they were able to sign anybody uh, more than just one of those guys. I, I think that Jose Batista could be a guy that sticks around simply because of the whole qualifying offer thing if that comes into play. But um, I think you're going to see a lot of new addresses for a lot of those Blue Jays. And whether or not their window uh, opened or closed, I mean, they still have, uh, you know, again, if Marcus Stroman continues to, to show some signs of progression, 
Uh, you know, Marco Estrada was absolutely outstanding. I think what we're finding out, Neil, is yes, offense is a beautiful thing, but it's still if you can pitch it. This game is so pitching is so important to this game. If you're going to be able to pitch it, you've got a shot. And uh, you know, again, Roberto Osuna did some nice things in the back end of their bullpen. Uh, Biagini really kind of grew up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I remember when we first saw Biagini at the beginning of the year as a Rule Five guy. You were kind of happy to see him. He was a big, big piece of their postseason puzzle and did some nice things for them uh, as well. So, you know, John Gibbons looks like he's going to be sticking around. Uh, they've got a little thing going on there in, uh, in, in, in Toronto. I think the biggest thing that's going to hurt them will be not only if they can't re-sign the guys that are free agents. I'm not sure that's a place that a lot of free agents want to go, simply because of, uh, you know, again, I know it's the American dollar, but the tax implications and everything else like that, going to another country, it's really going to be interesting to see if the Blue Jays can attract, uh, you know, even kind of a, a mid-range kind of a free agent to come up there and play baseball for a number of years. I would agree. And, you know, I think, yes, they have good starting pitching. Aaron Sanchez, Stroman, you mentioned Estrada. Jay Happ had a terrific year. But is that core going to stay healthy? And because they don't have a lot of guys in the pipeline that you can say, okay, they've got another starter on the way that they can just move in there. And we know that the free agent crop is really bad when it comes to starting pitching. No, that's going to be a big question mark for them because, uh, you know, they, they, they're getting a little long in the tooth in, a, in the other areas, as we said. I mean, with the, the free agency, the pending free agency of the big boys and Carnacion and Batista, but, you know, Tulowitzki is really, uh, again, getting a little longer in the tooth. Russell Martin's not getting any mm-hmm. younger. Uh, you know, Kevin Pillar's a nice player, but I think he's a nice complimentary player. I don't think he's a guy that you're really going to look to build around. And, uh, you know, Devin Travis is having trouble staying on the field with uh, his injuries. So, They've got some guys that are nice players offensively and defensively, but, you know, I don't know the thickness of their minor leagues. Uh, I, I kind of just mainly concern myself with what's happening in the big leagues. But, yeah, if those four guys stay healthy, um, you know, that, that's a nice pitching staff to be able to build around. But uh, at the end of the day, we all know it takes more than just four or five pitchers in a big league season to get you through it. So uh, they're, they're, they're going to be a different look, I think, next year. I really do believe that uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to have a different look come 2017. No doubt. And if you don't sign Encarnacion or Batista, really Josh Donaldson's on an island. And we've always talked about how hard it is for Evan when he hasn't had guys around him. I think Josh Donaldson may find uh, some of the very same things. Now, in terms of the World Series, we don't know yet. I mean, at the beginning of this, I picked the Cubs. I think most people did. I still would say they're going to probably beat the Dodgers because they have home field edge. Do the Cubs or the Dodgers match up better in your mind against Cleveland? And, And if so, why? Well, I think the Cubs are the best team that's still standing. I mean, they're the thickest team offensively, defensively, and from a pitching staff standpoint. So I, I think it would be the Cubs that would give the uh, the Indians the biggest uh, the biggest hassle for uh, either side winning a World Series championship for the first time in a long, long time. I, I'm not sold on the Dodgers. I know they have Clayton Kershaw, and he's going to get maybe at least one more start, it seems, probably in game six of uh, that series against the Cubs. But, you know, Maeda does, uh, doesn't really impress me, and who knows? I mean, the, the I'm going to take my line from my buddy John Sterling. I know you can't predict baseball, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, the Cubs are just a better team. And, you know, we saw the Dodgers up close and personal not once but twice in a pair of uh, two-game series, and I came away pretty nonplussed about that ball club. I I just really uh, thought to myself for $200 million or whatever they might be spending, uh, that's not really that good of a team, I didn't think. Now, you know, Clayton Kershaw can take the team on the back for one game, but uh, there's still two other games that they're going to have trouble against the Cubs with. So uh, I think the Cubs are the better team. I think the Cubs are the best team that's left standing, but that doesn't mean that they're always going to win the World Series. 
No doubt. I, you know, I think it also speaks what you brought up, and I would agree, watching the Dodgers thought the same. But I also think it speaks to the National League versus the American League. I think, you know, a team like the Cubs, you know, as good as they are record-wise and as good as their talent is, I do think there are a lot of mental breathers, regular season and even postseason. I mean, going through the American League playoffs, to me, is much more of a gauntlet than going through the National League playoffs. Well, there's, I think, again, you know, credit to the Indians. I mean, I thought their toughest foe was going to be the Red Sox, and they just uh, disposed of them. It's all about pitching. It really is. And, you know, the Cubs are just like uh, a lot of other good-hitting teams. If they get mediocre pitching like they did, uh, you know, the, the other night in, in Los Angeles when they put 10 runs on the board and their bats finally woke up, they're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They've got good hitters. But if they can, just like everybody else in the oldest adage in baseball, good pitching will stop good hitting. And we've seen that in that series as well, and we saw that. Well, that's what the Indians did. I really would like to see, you know, and again, you can't do it, but I'd love to see what the Indians could do with a full arsenal, mm-hmm. with, their, with their full starting staff available. I'm not even sure it would be even that close. So, uh, uh, But with that being said, you play with the hand that you're dealt. That's what the, the, the Indians have right now. But I think that the, the Dodgers lineup is very pitchable, especially, you know, if you've got some good left-handed pitchers, which the Cubs have been able to uh, uh, fill that side with. I mean, you know, I'm not here to take anything away from Mike Montgomery. Maybe he's made some strides, but Mike Montgomery a couple of years ago couldn't make the Rays rotation, couldn't even make the Rays, you know, uh, pitching staff. And he's a big part of the Cubs postseason simply because the Dodgers' left-handed hitting is so poor So uh, against left-handed pitching. So, hey, it is what it is. Bully for them. They're there. We're not. And, uh, you know, I look at the, the Cubs. I, I see a, a thicker lineup than what the Dodgers have. But I look at the Indians right now, and right now they've got a little bit of that it factor. And they've got a chance outside of the ring rust that might happen by sitting on the sidelines for five days. They, well, they have a chance to set up their pitching rotation the way they want to. There's no doubt about that. And they've got a chance to rest that bullpen that uh, has been working an awful lot over the last couple of weeks, too. And they get home field, which we saw in 2013 in a one-game situation didn't help. But I think it has helped them a lot in the playoffs. I really think they've played extremely well at home all year. And... Home field dominance can mean something, even in the in the playoffs. Well, I'm not, you know, again, it's only been a couple of years, but and I don't know what's going to happen in the LCS. They still expect the Cubs probably to win the next couple of games and get out but uh, and win it. But uh, you, you look at where the Cubs are, and the last time they lost uh, a series, they lost it to the New York Mets when they had the first two games on the road and got beat mm-hmm. and ultimately ended up getting swept. So, uh, you know, that, that the Indians hopefully can use that to their advantage. And uh, we'll see how that uh, does play out. But, you know, it, it really will be, uh, if it does come down to the Cubs and Indians, it really will be kind of an interesting uh, World Series if it does come to that, simply because of all the subplots there. You've got Joe against uh, Terry Francona. They've battled before with the Grays and the, and the Red Sox. You've got Theo against Terry. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. And you've got two of the longest uh, uh, droughts going in Major League Baseball from winning World Series championships. So uh, it, it could be a lot of intriguing subplots if the Cubs and Indians do indeed meet up in the fall classic. No doubt. One more thing I wanted to touch on, uh, Dave, and that is use of the bullpen. I know we talked about it earlier on the podcast about, you know, you can't do this in the regular season, but the one thing you can do is use your best reliever differently. Andrew Miller had to agree to it. He had to say, I don't care when you use me. Uh, I want to help the team win. And you can't use him this often in the regular season. But it is interesting that they're basically using him like I would say almost a shutdown corner on a wide receiver. Okay, sixth, seventh inning, we think this is the biggest moment of the game, or seventh, eighth, or eighth, ninth, this is our guy. We're going to use him this way. 
do you think that other teams will start doing it the way Terry Francona has used Andrew Miller, or do you just need a special pitcher who's willing to adapt? Well, I, I look at it in a couple of ways. One, you have to have the, the right individual who's ready to come in and pitch in the sixth or seventh inning. Now, again, I don't see that happening during the regular season, and I hate to poop on everybody's parade here, but it's all about the dollar bills. It really is. Mm-hmm. There's no way Andrew Miller would want to be taken – outs in the sixth or seventh inning if this means he's going to get three or four million dollars next year because he's a sixth or seventh inning pitcher and not 15 or 20 million dollars or 15 million dollars if he's a closer and people can say all they want that oh well he'd still get paid no he would it, it you know it, it's, it's just the way the thing works the other part and what people are forgetting about here neil and i don't think it's been publicized enough is that they they have quality closers and quality arms behind andrew miller it wouldn't be like the rays using uh, Alex Colomay in the sixth or seventh inning to get big outs and then having to depend on, you know, who knows who to get big outs in the eighth and ninth. That's not going to work. It just wouldn't. So it wouldn't work consistently enough. So you've got Shaw, you've got Cody Allen, you've got guys who have been closers before that are able to still get big outs in the eighth and ninth inning if you have to use Andrew Miller in the sixth or seventh. I think that's been lost in the whole shuffle here. It's not like you're going to a C or a B reliever mm-hmm. uh, after you use Andrew Miller in the sixth or seventh inning. You're still using a top-notch closer and a top-notch setup guy in the eighth and ninth innings. It's just that they've got the thickness that they're able to do that. So, you know, that, that's how it would come into play. I mean, it, you know, the, Joe Girardi wouldn't have made any kind of an adjustments with what he had in the three-headed monster with Batantis, Miller, and then Chapman. That was working, and it was working to uh, perfection. For the most part, uh, while he had those three working together, there would be no reason to move things around if you didn't have to because they can all get big outs. But, uh, you know, again, bully for Terry uh, Francona. He's made that adjustment, but he's lucky that Andrew Miller has bought into it. And I think Andrew Miller is a one-of-a-kind uh, late-in reliever who doesn't matter if he's pitching in the ninth, the eighth, the seventh, or even the sixth or fifth. He's going to go out there and get the outs when the manager wants him to. And, uh, you know, like I said, though, it's, it, it, you don't do it when he's your best by a long shot. And then you're passing it on to B and C relievers to try to get the uh, the next uh, six outs to end the ball game. Terry Francona has top-notch relievers that he can still count on after he uses Andrew Miller in the sixth or seventh innings. No doubt, no doubt. Real good stuff, Dave. Enjoy the World Series. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Neil. Thank you very much. That is Dave Wills. Of course, our next podcast will come either from Arizona where we touch on the the Arizona Fall League or after the World Series. Either way, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you soon.